death is not natural. That statement might come as a shock for some of you because we tend to think of death as a natural event. It's part of the life cycle of every living thing, human beings no exception. We are born, we grow old, and we die. Death is a fact of life that we all must learn to cope with sooner or later, and eventually we each face death ourselves. What could be more natural than death? Yet death is not natural, not for us human beings. To understand how unnatural death is, we have to first understand what we are. Human beings are unique. We are composite creatures. And what I mean by that is we have physical bodies, like the animals, but we also have rational souls, like the angels. We are both physical and spiritual. To be a human being is to have both a body and a soul, and one part is not more important than the other. There's an ancient heresy called Gnosticism that still creeps up from time to time, and part of what the Gnostics believed is that we are really spirits who have been trapped in physical bodies, and that death means the releasing of the spirit from its prison. And so once the body dies, the real you and the real me are set free. And the body is nothing but an empty shell. But Christianity says no to that. We are not spirits trapped in fleshly bodies. We are our bodies. But we're not just our bodies. We are also our souls. We are not either of these things independently, but both together constitute the human person. We are body-soul composites. That's what it means to be human. And that's why when the Word of God became man, he took on both a human body and a human soul. Otherwise, Christ would not have been fully man. And this is why our salvation consists not just in living with God as disembodied spirits in heaven, but in the resurrection of our bodies as well. God made us to be both physical and spiritual, and we are unique in creation in this regard. And that is why death is so unnatural to us, because death means the separation of the body from the soul. And that was never meant to be. A body without a soul is called a corpse. And a corpse is not a human person. It is only part of the person. It's the part of the person left behind in the physical world when we die. And a soul without a body is called a ghost. Yes, Catholics believe in ghosts. That doesn't mean every story you see on TV is true. (laughs) But a ghost is not a human person. It's only a part of that person. It's something less than human. Death does this to us. It breaks us down into our composite parts, and it makes us something less than what we are. 
So it's the most unnatural thing that will ever happen to any of us. And that's why death hurts so much. Yes, we grieve the loss of a loved one because we will miss that person. That's part of it. But there is more to grief than that. Grief involves a whole range of emotions, including denial and anger and sadness and resentment and even outrage. We might even get angry at God for allowing death to happen. We feel it deep in our guts that this just isn't right. This is not how things are supposed to be. And that gut feeling is correct. This is not how things are supposed to be. Death was never something that God intended for us. Our scripture reading today from the book of Wisdom could not be more clear about this. God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living, for he fashioned all things that they might have being. So if God didn't make death, why does death exist? The book of wisdom goes on. For God formed man to be imperishable. The image of his own nature he made him. But by the envy of the devil, death entered the world. And they who belong to his company experience it. Our reading points us back to the beginning. Back to the creation of Adam and Eve. Their temptation in the fall of man. It points us back to original sin. The account of our creation in Genesis tells us that God formed man out of the dust and breathed life into him. The word for breath in Latin is spiritus, which is where we get our word spirit. In forming us out of dust, out of physical matter, God gives us a body. And then breathing life into us, God gives us spirit. His spirit. God's spirit is the source of our life. This is why we profess in the creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. So as long as Adam and Eve remained united with God, their life would endure what happens to us when we disconnect ourselves from the source of life? Well, what happens when you unplug your cell phone or your laptop from its charger? The battery starts to drain. It doesn't die immediately, but eventually the battery wears down and it will die. And the same is true of mankind. Adam and Eve unplugged themselves from God, so to speak. They distrusted him. They doubted him. They disobeyed him. They hid themselves from him. And God was clear what the consequences would be if they broke their relationship with him. Genesis 2.17, you shall die. This was not a punishment. It was just the consequence of their actions. And once Adam and Eve lost that original friendship with God, the source of life, they did begin, begin to die. God told Adam, you are dust, and to dust 
you will return. We break down into our composite parts. Our physical bodies return to the dust from which they are made, and our souls, not being made of matter that can break down, endure forever. That's death. It entered into the world because of sin, and we have been dealing with it ever since. So where is the good news here? That's all pretty depressing stuff. God made us for life, not death, but we removed ourselves from God in original sin, and we brought death into the world. Now what? What do we do with that? Well, here is the good news. From the very moment that our first parents committed that original sin, God promised to send us a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. And what does the Savior come to save us from? We might think of all sorts of things that we need saving from. We look in the world around us and we see violence and oppression and injustice. Well, my brothers and sisters, there is nothing more violent, more oppressive, and more unjust than death. That is the most unjust, violent, and oppressive thing that any human person can go through, and each one of us will have to face it. And that is what Jesus saves us from. He saves us from death, and he offers us eternal life. In the beginning of John's Gospel, John writes of Christ that in him was life, and the life was the light of man. And later in John's Gospel, Jesus himself says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that sounds like good news. But if Jesus came to save us from death, why do people still die? It's because God, in saving us from death, did not hit the reset button. He did not go back and undo the fall of Adam and Eve. He didn't make things like they were before. No, that decision was made. Our first parents made their choice. That cannot be undone. This is the world that we live in. But God, as he often does, did something unexpected. God did not free us from death by making death disappear. He did something much more profound than that. God died. Now this is one of the great paradoxes of our faith. This is why St. Paul speaks of the, of the crucifixion as a stumbling block for Jews and foolishness for Gentiles. But to those who believe the wisdom and the power of God. Because God is the source of all life. He is life. So God cannot die. But man can. And so God became man so that he could die for us. And what happens when the source of all life passes through death? Death breaks. St. Paul writes of this in his first letter to Timothy. He says that Christ destroyed death. He didn't just make it go away. He broke it. 
He rebuilt it into something that would serve his loving purpose. He transformed that most horrible consequence of our sin into the very vehicle of our salvation. And in doing so, he doesn't simply restore us to the life that our first parents enjoyed in the garden. He offers us something even greater. Eternal bliss, living forever in heaven, united with the source of life himself. Not just enjoying his friendship, but sharing in his divine life. God became man in order that man might become God. So the miracle of the raising of Jairus' daughter that we hear of in today's gospel, or the raising of Lazarus, are signs of this salvation. But they are only signs. Lazarus and Jairus' daughter were resuscitated. They were brought back to that same life they had before, only to die again. The greatest sign of the life promised us in Christ is his resurrection on Easter morning. Jesus was not resuscitated. He was not revived. He did not receive the same life back that he lost. He resurrected. He rose anew in a glorified and incorruptible body, a body made not for this world, but for the next. And he promises that same thing for you and I if we choose it. But it is our choice. We can choose to be resurrected at the end of time. We can choose to live forever in immortal and corruptible, incorruptible bodies. We can choose to live forever in the company of the angels and saints. We can choose to know, love, and serve the God who made us and who loves us so much that he died for us. We can choose eternal happiness. We can choose to love and to be loved forever. We can choose life. God did not make death. He never intended that for us. Death came about as a result of our separating ourselves from the source of life. But life came to find us. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to become one of us, to die for us, to pass through the gates of death, rise triumphant on the other side and say to us, follow me, I will show you the way. Indeed, I am the way. My friends, all of us will die one day. We cannot choose otherwise. What we can choose is whether we die with Christ or apart from Christ. We can die united with the source of life, the one who conquered death, or we can die alone. To die with Christ, St. Paul teaches, is to live with Christ. So brothers and sisters, the choice is yours. And I implore you, choose life.